Well, we are looking for perks and we are talking with jerks. We are just looking, looking, looking and talking, talking, talking. We are just jerks who talk about movies. Still got it. Hello Damn and welcome right. to Setting the Skein. Uh, we're also still probably some jerks who talk about movies. But I'm, we, I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And we're not alone. Hi, Mike. Ah. Welcome. Hi. Yes, we are joined. Who are you? Me? Yeah. Well... Um, I'm five foot seven and a half. That's also I own a used quilts embroidery on the wall. It's true. And I am Ben's fabulous, wonderful, uh, better half. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She was his girlfriend. Now she's his fiance. And And you know at a a time I'm not the only guy here with a fiance now. That is correct. I was going to also say at a time that will not be specified on air of this podcast, she will be his wife. In a hundred days from recording this podcast yes, right now. Exactly 100 days. And Elijah also got engaged this past yeah. week. Woo! Oh, snaps for Elijah. Ben's going to edit in some uh, general claps. <clears throat> general claps? Hello, general claps. <laughs> nice to see you. That's the extent of the editing that I'm adding. Yep, that was all. Uh, And in in post. And uh, Tristan, just to check in with you, uh, we're both still single, right? Indeed. Good to know. Good to know. So we talked about Megamind this week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The 2010 film released by DreamWorks Animation, directed by Tom McGrath. Say that again. Incredible segue there, Doug. I know, right? I know, right? Um, so Megamind, released in 2010, directed by Tom McGrath, uh, starring Will Ferrell, Jonah Hill, Tina Fey, Ben Stiller for exactly three lines, Brad Pitt, David Cross, uh, J.K. Simmons, and a couple other people. Um, this movie holds a 7.3 out of 10 on the IMDb, a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 63% on Metacritic, and an 85% on the Google. Ben, you wouldn't happen to have the uh, the uh, Common Sense Media data, would you? Well, Doug, I'm glad you asked. Uh, it got three stars out of five. For Lovely. Reason. Lovely. And uh, budget and monetarily wise, this movie was made on a budget of $130 million and gross worldwide $321.8 million. So pretty successful movie, and it's become a meme since then. True. It's become a meme. I feel like that's just kind of a common trend with DreamWorks movies. I think you Shrek. are absolutely right. Yeah. Shrek is Shrek. love. Uh, B movie. No, no. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I want to walk that back. Uh, saying the I did not media, finish the latter. Saying half the skein and Vider Media, we do not condone, support, acknowledge the existence no, we do of. Not. Acknowledge well, the existence of just, uh, that Shrek uh, fan fiction. I hate um, it. It's I evil. think it's obscene, and I think it taints something pure. But you know what? I think I think that the reason the DreamWorks movies become memes so well 
is because I don't feel like DreamWorks tries to make their movies into like social media, like memes. I feel like Disney tries to make their movies into like, not memes, but like these are relevant in social media. DreamWorks is like, we made a movie, man. I don't even remember what it was about, but we we put something out in the theaters. We're going to make a movie. It's going to be about bees. I go with me. And it's just going to be bee puns the entire time. <laughs> Hear me out, man. Hear me out. Okay. Seinfeld and it's going to go, you know, I like jazz. Hear, hear me out. Hear we'll me sell, out. Listeners. We'll listeners. Sell millions. I thought we and were talking about Mega Mind. We not are. the B movie. I could just make those jokes easier with B movie. Yeah. I would really love never to talk about B movie again because that movie sucks. All right. You are <laughs> wrong. Well, fine. Okay. We will talk about Mega Mind. The classic big brain movie. He doesn't not to be confused with a big brain movie like Interstellar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> not that this movie. I don't think, that, movie, I don't think Matthew McConaughey re- has a big brain. That so, man has a skinny looking head, and I'm pretty sure proportionally his brain is smaller than the average person. Okay, oh, hold up. Where hey, hey, I just, hey, hey, I just hey, put this, this is one out a there. real big brain. Movie. Yeah, this is this is an animation. This yeah, is but real. I, I just want to put it out there that um saying the skin and vitamin media we are matthew mcconaughey stands like of we course. like like we we love us some mcconaughey matthew maddie i know that uh i know that you want to come on this podcast i know that we've gotten hundreds of emails from yeah, you he listens I mean, every week we know As i mean I- full disclosure full disclosure at times it's gotten a little weird because like you sent me fan mail before i even like announced where i was moving to don't call but him but you know I appreciate it. I love it. I love your work. What are we talking about again? We were talking about Mega Mind, the classic yeah. blue man. And I'm not talking about the music group. I'm talking about that little super villain who finds love and is kind of dorky and mispronounces the word school. Yeah. Anyway, this is completely unrelated. How do you spell McConaughey? Hmm. It's not unrelated. He's writing it on the list of listeners. Yeah, uh, every every time we make that joke, I add it to a, a note in my phone for no particular particular reason. But uh, I think it's listeners. If you're uh, interested, uh, you can leave a comment on how to spell McConaughey um, <laughs> on this podcast, and we can talk about Megamind. Uh, Elijah, listen? Elijah, you had a point you were about to make. It wasn't a point at all. Oh, okay. I was just going to say it's so weird to me whenever somebody describes a movie as a classic when I remember when that movie came out. That didn't make it feel old. Yeah. Well, full disclosure, I don't think that this movie is a classic. I think this movie is a meme, but I don't think it's a classic. Yeah. I would also agree. This is, I mean, no hate on any of the people involved. This is not a classic. Shrek is a classic. This is not a classic. This is so bad. has so has anyone seen Megamind before? I know I haven't. I know Ben hasn't. I've seen it multiple times in a variety of places as a young child slash tween. I saw it once. <laughs> uh, I saw it at church after church. A uh, friend had it downloaded on his phone illegally, and we sat there huddled, crouched, just totally like, you know, neck down, looking at his phone for like an hour and a half or whatever, and uh, watched that movie. Ah, uh, yes. The beginning of Tristan's chiropractic needs. <laughs> yeah. 
I really just need a big strong man to pick me up and twist me around and I'll be good to go. You know what I mean? Tristan, I can be so, that for you. I can be well, that for you. Many have tried. All right. Hot off the presses. Tristan and Doug are no longer still singing. Oh. <laughs> Tristan oh. and Doug are married to the hustle <laughs> and they always yeah. Work. yeah. Unfortunately, I've married the hustle. So oh. um, there's no room for love in my well. life. Till death do they part. The hustle buys you nice things. It's lonely. But you can make your pain. And exhausting. Yeah, actually, you know I'm going to go ahead and divorce the hustle. I'm you know what? You know what? Forget about Megamind. Let's talk about let's talk about the dangers of the hustle and the the American culture that we currently live in. Uh, Turn into a lifestyle podcast. Oh, my guess. It's just sad. Like, like you know, you know, you, you spend you spend all this time and all this energy trying to be the best and it's just like it's and just then you just like, have someone completely interrupt you i totally get where you're coming from that's a good one ben thank you that's a great one anyway doug i remember something's telling me in my brain right now that you had some comments on the soundtrack of this movie is my brain correct is my <laughs> intuition on par <laughs> Well, let me uh, let me roll a perception check to see if that's what, yep okay. Um, yeah. I don't know what that was. Yeah, yeah. listeners, I, I don't think that would be a perception check. Listeners, I don't know what the actual heck is going on right now. Um, what it is is Macy succeeded on a perception check to read the document Ben has in front of us that sure. says Doug wants to talk about the soundtrack. Dang. So, um, that was Elijah lying. Listen, I have I have abilities that are beyond. Sixth sense, and so that's called proficiency and perception. It's an extra sensory perception check. It's my seventh sense. And Doug, please tell us about the soundtrack. The soundtrack of Mega Mind. (laughs) Anyone feel their soul being ripped out? Because mine's mine's halfway out of my body now. The soundtrack of Mega Mind. Um, okay, this is my this is my thing with this movie. I don't have a problem with a lot of pop songs being used as like just like a mismatch of pop songs and rock and roll songs, uh classic rock being used as like your soundtrack for your movie. My problem comes from the fact that it fits with Megamind. It fits like a third of the time, like one third of the songs that they use, they use correctly. Like I think welcome to the jungle. I think they use perfectly. Um, granted that, that in and of itself has become a meme. Um, I think that, uh, I think that the bad to the bone song used used very well. I think 90% of the mute, not 90%, that would be 66% of the other music that they use in this movie don't work. I think it just is, it's it's put in randomly. It's like, it's like Mamma Mia. Don't it's you like dare. We, it's Douglas, like we, we had to put Douglas something here. Gooden, the second. So we put, put this here. Shade on Mamma Mia while I'm on this guest situation on the podcast. I know how you all feel. Ben has told me. Macy, we, we did this like four years ago. <laughs> we were not hating mom. And then we did it again two years ago. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Every two years we get together and hate Mama Mia. I'm letting together. you know Mama Mia's playing at the wedding. It's already on our it's already on the playlist. You hey, the music is fine. The music's fine. We love <laughs> Abba. That we I disagree are, with we too. Are, 
We are an ABBA Stan podcast with the well, exception of Elijah. Yeah. I'm a big exception. ABBA, we also know you listen to the podcast. But we day. do not listen to you. At least I don't. Dang it, Elijah. Um I'm ruining my sponsorship. Yeah, so 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 that's my biggest issue with the soundtrack of this movie is like I think that. I think that if you're gonna have just random pop and rock songs fill up the soundtrack of your movie, just try and make them fit a little better. Uh, it reminds me of a movie that came out this past year. Uh, I've talked about this before. I think I've talked about this exact thing before. Um, Fear Street, uh, 1994. Um, great movie. Actually, I take that back. An okay movie. Uh <laughs> But within the first eight minutes of the movie, there are 12 different songs that play. And there, you know, some of them fit, but they're not there long enough to really make an impact. And I feel like the same is true here. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to include like, um, like songs like that, uh, that are not like originally composed for the movie, I'm at least I personally am of the opinion that less is more yeah yeah like i mean that's one of the reasons that i hated the music in moulin rouge because i it took me out of it in almost every single scene and i totally i totally made that same point in moulin rouge now that i think about it <laughs> well that um using a ton of songs not written for the movie worked really well for things like guardians of the galaxy yeah oh, that's true that's- such a good movie and the the reason that's the case is because it is quite literally a plot point in the movie that he has these songs you know so that it works pretty well that way i mean i think plus the argument that that's the case in this movie too no because with guardians of the galaxy it was someone who like so i don't really listen to scores the way that y'all seem to um and they don't really stand out to me as much the way that y'all they see they do with y'all but with guardians of the galaxy that was one of the first movies where the score like I actually like looked it up later and I listened to it on my own time because it's just such a good culmination of all these songs and it's such a vibe Ugh, I, I mean what I'm saying is like it plays a major point in Guardians of the Galaxy because like those are the songs that are on his whatever device and and Megamind I mean it's never explicitly stated that like Megamind is actually playing those songs, but it sounds like something that he would be doing. If that was the case, I think I would have appreciated his music a lot more. If it was like he had like a device and it was coming out of one of his speakers. Well, I, he did. Well, he does when he plays uh, Bad by Michael Jackson. Uh, no, that's at the end. Did he yeah. do that at the end? He does. Yeah, he brings, he, plays, out, he brings out a massive boombox. Okay, when he plays yeah. Back in Black, um towards the beginning of the movie he has a boom box and it like gets picks up signal from the wrong radio station a couple times and it plays a different song and he's frustrated yeah. you, you know so that's a good that's point true. um but no that, it's not it's not like a major plot point you know like in guardians of the galaxy like that soundtrack is actually symbolic for the main character yeah so yeah, that i think is what you guys were getting at also shout out to anyone who uh watched guardians of the galaxy and then bought a cassette version of the uh of the soundtrack, even though you may or may not have had a cassette player at the time. <laughs> Shout out to like the you darn right I was. Went to a Comic Con. Really went to a went to a Comic Con. Bought bought one of them. It was great. 
I have the second one on cassette too. Uh, shout out real quick to the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. It's really good. I've been playing it. Just shout out to just Guardians of the Galaxy and all the people who appreciate Groot and Rocket. We know you're listening, Groot and Rocket. So, <laughs> so all right. So, so we've talked about how, or I've talked about how the soundtrack in this is you know a third of it is good two-thirds of it not so much feels kind of like mishmash together but i want to talk about one thing in this movie that is great through and through and that thing is something that is great in this movie it is great in kung fu panda oh man it is great in men in black parts one and two and it is the only good thing, the only good thing in Alvin and the Chipmunks 1, 2, and Chipwrecked. All right. And that is the man, the myth, the legend, David Cross. All right. I need you to tell me who he played in Men in Black and also in Alvin and the Chipmunks. So in Alvin and the Chipmunks, he plays uh, he plays the mean, evil record producer. Okay, I hate that because I know what he looks like, and I hate that. Continue on with something else. And She's saying, and, I hate the way he looks. Yeah, well, David Cross, I know that you listen to this podcast, and David, I know that you are a beautiful man who makes beautiful, beautiful comedy. Um in Men in Black, he plays like the uh, the guy at the video store who's obsessed with aliens and like proving that they're right. Um, oh. No, I love David Cross in this movie. When I heard his voice come through the speakers of my phone, because I watched this on my phone, um, when I heard his beautiful uh, voice come through, it was like angels singing down from heaven saying there is someone in this movie who is just effortlessly funny. That's not a knock on Will Ferrell or on uh, Jonah Hill that or on TFA. That's just me saying that I have yet to find a movie where David Cross is in it and he does not make the role funny or he does not make the movie funnier because he's in it. The only thing I know him from is Kung Fu Panda, where he was the voice of Crane. He is the voice of Crane in that movie. He was the only thing I know him from is Arrested Development. See, I have not seen Arrested Development, so that's that's a knock on me. I need to watch Arrested Development. But it's pretty funny. Elijah, you would like that show, actually. the The man is hilarious. I think. I think he's hilarious. I think he's really funny in this movie as Minion, as this little like pipsqueak of a dude or a fish, um, more like it. yeah yeah big fan of david cross yeah how do you guys feel about the rest of the acting so i think it's um, i think it's fine i think that uh i think that will ferrell around like mid 20 mid 2000s like early 2010s I think he started to lean into a portion of his career where like he was just doing Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. which is fine. I enjoy just Will Ferrell, but it's just, you know, it, it, it gets a little old. Yeah, it gets a I little get that. old. There were a lot of times in this movie where Meg Mind said something. It's like, yeah, that's just Will Ferrell. 
I almost disagree slightly because of the voice that he used. I couldn't remember who voiced Megamind. Mm -hmm. And I did try to just listen because I knew it was someone very famous. I remember that much. And like about 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, yeah, Will Ferrell. But like, I don't know, something about it was different enough where like it did take me a little while to recognize him. And I'm a very big Will Ferrell fan. So I don't think it was bad. I think it was pretty on par for the audience they were trying to reach. Yeah, yeah. Trying to reach kids and tweens. And they did a good job at that. And I'm, and I'm like not, I'm not trying to say it's bad. It's just knowing Will Ferrell's voice. I mean, it is very distinct, so it took me out of it a little bit. But I mean, overall, I think he did a fine job. Well, hearing Will Ferrell's voice in this movie reminded me of his role in the Lego movie, which, although it is a dumber movie than the one we just watched, I am of the opinion that it's funnier. Agreed. Agreed. I love the Lego movie. I mean, full disclosure, it does not have David Cross, which is a mark against it, but still a very funny movie. I'd love it then. And Will Ferrell's very funny in the Lego movie. Um, Yeah. This one, in my opinion, uh, as a comedy, Megamind is okay, maybe good, certainly not great. I mean, there were definitely parts where I was just dying laughing. But for real, though, it's I think it's like designed for a different audience than 20 something year old men and women. Well, when has that stopped us from uh, from criticizing a movie before? I also (laughs) first I watched this movie for the first time when I was probably I don't know what year did this come out? 2010. 2010. So and I didn't see it when it came out, but like. I was probably in the 12th grade when I finally got around to seeing it. So, you know, significantly less mature than I am now. <laughs> I mean, um, I think you can also have a movie that is designed for kids or tweens that still resonates or is funny to adults. Like Trolls World Tour. I understand. I don't know about that. Yep, exactly. Thank you. I appreciate you. Mm, not I quite where I was going with I that. I appreciate no. you on that. I think it's um, just you here, Macy. <laughs> I uh, I also, okay, so I feel like we should also talk about Jonah Hill and Tina Fey's performances in this. Jonah Hill in this movie is not at his best. I think, I think his quote unquote like best comedic performances that I've seen anyway are 21 Jump Street and, uh, dang it, I just had the other one. Oh, Wolf of Wall Street. I think those are his two best comedic roles. This, you know, he's he's getting a little warmed up. He's getting a little into the groove a little bit, but I don't, I feel like you could have put anyone in that role and it would have worked. Yeah, I think he did it for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jonah Hill very much has a character he plays, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he plays that character. And I don't think he's bad at it. Like, I, I think that has a purpose. Um. There, there was a show that he was in called Maniac on Netflix. It was really good. Um, and he, it was a serious role. He, it wasn't comedic at all. Um, and Jonah Hill kind of, I think, has been typecast as like the, like the, the dumb, like overweight guy or something. Like just, that's just like what he's been before. But I think he's kind of 
gotten out of that some, but yeah. still, by and large, is still just the dumb guy, I guess. Well, well, I think I think that he does really good work. Like, I've seen bits and pieces of of uh, of Maniac, and I enjoy that. I love him in Moneyball. He's fantastic in Moneyball, and he was nominated for an Oscar for Moneyball. I've heard that's a really good movie. It's a really good movie. Uh, and you know, I think he's really good as the sort of like uh uh sub sub antagonist in don't look up and i think he's very funny and i think he's funny when the role is written for him to be funny i don't think that he's written to be particularly funny in this movie i think he's written to be a foil for for uh will ferrell's mega mind yeah and i think it's just like that eh, it's fine it's, it's whatever. As a, I don't even know if I would call him. I mean, I guess he's technically a foil, but like as the villain of this movie, I honestly just think his character's kind of weak. Yeah. Because I mean, there wasn't really any point during this movie in which I cared about what happened to him. Oh no, not at all, not at all. I cared more about J.K. Simmons than I cared about him, but that also was just because, like you know, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Yeah. What a guy. Um, and likewise with, with Tina Fey, I I just I didn't care. I didn't care about her character. She's the one that played the Roxanne. <laughs> yep. Roxanne. <laughs> and they didn't use that song. Which Roxanne. Which I think after after the cinematic masterpiece Good Bur- Good Burger had a character named Roxanne and played the song Roxanne. As she entered the store, I feel like after you see that on screen, you have to use it every single time. Like you cannot have a character named Roxanne and not play Roxanne as soon as she enters the frame. This is completely unrelated. Well, I guess it's kind of related. Did anyone else think that Roxanne looked exactly like Evelyn Dever from The Incredibles 2? I think... I think that well, it's for Incredibles too. She's back. I've seen Incredibles too. She's a gray-haired woman. No, she's got like kind of reddish brown hair. Uh, oh, oh, never mind. Yeah, I was thinking of Incredibles one. Yeah, they look similar. I think that totally different. Roxanne has got the single largest forehead I've ever seen on an animated character in my entire Excuse life. Even bigger than Megamind. Megamind is only a forehead. <laughs> He's got like a 20 head. Can, okay, wait, wait, wait. He's a forehead. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, and this does bring head, up and a side this head and a down upside down wiggle round head. This this does bring up a topic that I've thought about before. Bald okay. People, where does the with bald people, is their head just a forehead? Is it no, just because four means forehead? foreground and four means front. So basically so up until the, the horizon line of the head. That skin is called the forehead. But, oh, but even, if they are looking Megamon. down, that they have down. a back head too. And that boy has the biggest back head I've ever seen. <laughs> Throw that back head in a circle. <laughs> uh, Megamind's no longer PG. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Wow, 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 wow. Sorry. 
so one thing this movie does um, that is different from most superhero movies, I mean, it kind of takes a twist on it. Like you get this set up at the beginning of like this traditional hero versus villain, but from told from the villain's point of view. And then the villain wins and the villain is forced to become a hero, which I think is interesting. And um, I think it is honestly one of the best parts about this movie is kind of its take on like um, superheroes. Yeah, that's fun. Spoilers. Like... Well, Tristan. Yes. No because way. I'm sure if, if someone is... has never seen Megamind, they're going to listen to a podcast reviewing Megamind. All right. <laughs> to be fair, I have spoken. I have spoken with the three people who listen to our podcast, me being one of them. <laughs> and there are times when I listen to this podcast and I have not seen the movie. I and just I just, I just, I listen to it, see what happened in the movie, and then I go about it from there. I mean, there are plenty of Dutch out there who are just clawing their way to listen to every single ounce of episode. And one uh, Matthew care. McConaughey doing the same thing. The Dutch thing. who live in the Netherlands, <laughs> yep. in the Providence of Holland. Yes. The Netherfolk. Are you telling me the Dutch yes. listen to this podcast? Yeah, you didn't know that? Then yeah, that's the old inside joke. On our list. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you right. know, you know. That's a deep cut. If you're That's Dutch, you know, because you're listening. I, I don't even know if you knew this, Macy, but we're actually the official podcast of the Netherlands. <laughs> so it's true. Uh, I have the Dutch on my list uh, right between uh, the CEO of Sega and Willem Dafoe. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. I couldn't tell all you the, the context for any of those. Those are all I listeners. The Defoe one. I listened to that episode. I mean, we talk about Willem Defoe a lot, so maybe too much. He's on that. That jawline, that chiseled jawline. That's uh, the one that always really brings up the people. Yeah. Oh, Marty, guys. <laughs> so um, the best thing about this movie, if you ask me, and this is related to the hero villain thing, the best thing about this movie is apparent in the first few minutes in the narrated backstory because it gives you this sympathetic um, image of the bad kid in school and just kind of, you know, spells it out for you in a child-friendly way that like sometimes, you know, you, you just really can't stand a person, but like they've just been through a lot and they haven't had the advantages that you've had in life and they've missed out on some things. And that explains a lot of their behaviors, you know, and that's uh, uh, maybe I'm thinking that seeing as I'm now a teacher and, you know, I got to sympathize with these these little kids that drive me nuts. Um, this movie does a good job of that. Um, and it gives that character lots of growth and chances for redemption. And that's nice. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. I, I, I also agree with that, Elijah. And I thought about that. Um, I didn't think about it in that eloquent of a way when I saw it. But, you know, I, I've... I'm now in a position where I work with kids regularly. And one thing that keeps getting brought up is that kids figure out from a much earlier age than we think they probably do. They figure out from a much earlier age, what sort of subgroups that adults place them into, what sort of like people groups they are put into. And I think that this movie does a really good job of saying like, of saying like, Hey, 
So I understand that like that's the way the world works, but like think about what that actually means for a kid because they're going to fit into that mindset for a large portion of their life if someone never tells them otherwise. And yeah, I think I think as far as like the serious tone of this movie, I think that's like the big triumph of it is that it sort of points out the flaws in that system. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I will say, I feel like if they were really going to lean into that, I think they would have made uh, Metro Man more of a jerk. But well, I don't think that's necessary to tell the. I know, I know. I'm just saying that like, you I, label kids because that's another thing um, that I mean, like every day you have to think about as a teacher what you say is going to stick with those kids. Mm. And oh God, you have to be so careful about what you say and so thoughtful about what you say because mm. it's going to potentially, I mean, either build up or scar a kid and that's like really really heavy so um i I which has to be super super careful to make sure nothing you say could come across as labeling or Uh you know grouping a child into a certain like you 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 have to be creative on how you express things because you Uh can't just say like i mean i i could never imagine telling a kid like oh you're bad or that that's just oh you're a troublemaker because like it makes me cringe right now because yeah. like as Elijah was saying and as I mean I mean we're kind of taking this a lot deeper than I think the movie took it but um kids can't help their circumstances they can't help what they've been through they can't help that their mom's in jail they can't help that their dad left they can't help that I mean the lights are cut off every other week like they can't help all that you know or they can't help that their family is getting a divorce or that their older brother won't talk to them or I mean like all the other things and they just process their emotions in a way that isn't as healthy anymore especially because they're iPad babies that's a whole different story anyway so yeah yeah not labeling is good so that's actually one thing that um kind of going back to what I was saying earlier that I actually like like I like that they don't make Metro Man a jerk um like I like that they set him up to have this choice like to not be what everybody wants him to be like like he has always had like this pressure to be this hero and he makes the choice i don't want to do this and i think i mean honestly i think that's really powerful yeah sorry doug i've been interrupting you what were you gonna say no it's okay that's exactly what i was gonna say um but uh since it's already been said i'll just say it reminds me of an episode of south park where a kid is uh pressured by his dad to do musicals and he doesn't want to do musicals so he does so he like goes against his dad but his dad like slaps him and he decides to play basketball tristan do you know that episode uh no but i i am interested to see you watching south park Woo! <laughs> I learn a lot from South Park. You learn a lot from South Park. Oh, I, I have used I, I have used lessons I have learned from South Park. Not in Don't lessons say that, that on this podcast. They're gonna come get you. The my Ben listens to this podcast. Well, you better hope one of us doesn't text your 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 preacher man. Yeah, that's who he's talking. Ben about. Ben, oh, ben wait, is right. Ben is my is my. Uh, quote unquote I preacher man. I mean, I listen to the podcast man. too. But... Hey, preacher man. <laughs> um, or woman, whatever. Uh, well, I Macy, I think that's exactly what this movie was trying to do. I mean, it, it that's what the whole point of the 
you know, the um, swapping of the hero villain, I guess the twist, you know, that's, that's the idea is to show you that they're, that it's worth looking into something deeper like this, you know, trying to understand it. So, um, there's a lot of Superman parallels too, because you have Metro Man immediately is just like everything Superman can do is Metro Man. He also has a weakness to a metal, but this one's real. He actually doesn't. I know what yeah. is the copywriting. It was an illusion. I feel like they've kind of crossed some lines that they maybe go. Nah, now you can you can parody stuff all day long. You can do yeah. a lot of stuff. You can do a lot of stuff with uh, with superhero tropes. And and they even had some of the score, uh, not the real score, but it echoed, especially when um, when space space dad, space papa, whatever, and uh, Jonah Hill's space character papa. was sitting on a bench in the park. I love it when you call me space papa. Yeah, me too. Um, Call me Space Papa. Oh, that's so okay. good. All right. All right, I'll oh, that's later. so good. <laughs> Go um, ahead, Tristan. Sitting Talk on a about... bench, sitting <laughs> on a bench in the park. It's like you could you can hear some like Superman um, like tones in the music. So that's pretty good. Yeah. But I I I thought it was really funny that um, Space Dad is like. I mean, the, the original was played by, uh, what's his name? Popular actor. Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. And he's doing like, he's doing like a godfather Marlon Brando. <laughs> like Will Ferrell is doing like a godfather Marlon Brando impression for his like. I'm going to make like... you an offer you can't refuse. Exactly. <laughs> that was just so funny to me. It's like, what an interesting, like, of course, like, of course, that's a thing they would do, you know? Which that is a deeper cut for the adults. Yeah. It's like, it's like, hey, parents, parents, you remember Christopher Reeve? You remember his Superman? Check out Superman's daddy. Yeah. And then Space you Godfather. Rem- remember Godfather? There's <laughs> that too. I think parents were, I think most parents, never mind. Never mind. I'm not making that assumption. Um, <laughs> All right. Most parents saw both movies. Probably. I, I, rough and insanely popular. I highly doubt that my parents have seen Godfather, any of the Godfather movies. I, I highly have. doubt that. I have also not seen the Godfather movies. Never mind. Um, I've seen the first one and a half. Yeah. God, that sounds like we need to do the Godfather series. No. I don't know no. if I can take it. Those, those are long. Yeah. And there's three of them. Yeah. I'm good. I say, as I've also requested that we do a trilogy on this podcast, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Uh, comedy. We already talked about the comedy. We, we already, com- I thought we did. I shouldn't know. Animation. Um, okay. So I want to talk about a specific part of the animation, not just in this movie, but in DreamWorks animation as a whole, because I think by and large, I think by and large, most people would say that they prefer the animation style of someone like Disney to the animation style of DreamWorks. And that's fine. That's fine. You can think that. That's totally cool. I get it. There is, however, one aspect of animation that I think DreamWorks does and has consistently done better than Disney for years. They did in B-Movie and they did it here. 
DreamWorks knows how to animate flight better than, in my opinion, like any other animation studio I've ever seen. Like, it just flows so well. And you really do feel like you're flying. Oh, my gosh. How to Train Your Dragon. So good. Like, I gushed about that. Um, on that podcast, like I love the way that DreamWorks animates flight. It looks so, so good. And though people are not always flying in this movie, which is totally fine, when they are, oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good. What about it is good, Doug? It just flows really well. It feels like you're flying. Like the way that they the way that they blur the background uh, in, a, in a realistic way that doesn't look like they're just smearing all the lines of their animation. Like, it really does look like you're speeding through a city. And I just, I, I love that. I love the way that they do that in the movie. You know what I don't love? They're pinched little noses. Oh, why not? Why not? I just don't like... The way they animate their faces, it's just like, this could have been done a lot more. I mean, it just looks like they, they animated a face and then they got that little circle tool that we all use back in like Photoshop in our typing class and then clicked on the middle of their face and then their face went like swoop and kind of got pinched in the middle. Like little face, big head. But then their little face is kind of pointy and weird. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? That little tool you could use to make something wide or very like like scrunched in. They do have scrunched, pointy, weird faces. Thank you, Elijah. I appreciate you. I just had this epiphany that um that Megamind looks exactly like the guy in Ratatouille who has the blonde hair and the big block head. Only obviously, Megamind is blue, while that guy is uh, is a is a white man. I thought you were going to say Megamind looks like an Easter egg. No, no, I've seen many Easter eggs in my life. He does not look like an Easter egg. Overdyed Easter egg. <laughs> it's interesting. This type of animation was started by Pixar, trying to make realistic looking toys in Toy Story, Weird. and. You build upon that. The next thing they did was Bugs Life. They tried to make shiny looking bugs, like some squishy bugs. I love And then they didn't even make people like until like Shrek or something, which wasn't even them. It was DreamWorks. Um, And then it's like the people kind of looked weird. So it's like, but it all started from like, make, how do we make toys look like toys? And then they kind of morphed the people from toys so everyone kind of looks like a doll a doll yeah i don't appreciate it i feel like it's weird and that's just how it has always been in 3d animation like that's that's the norm for the look and like if you go to like earlier animations like shrek or something or like even ants it's like the people look really weird in those movies you know like very different from how like what's common in like today like today's animation movies you know that's true they have made a lot of good strides towards um you know better animation and development and evolution and all that way i mean it's 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 just 
better animation is like it's just like opinion you know it's just it's it's like what is better well you really prefer we, the bug life grasshopper over Encanto, like animation wise i'm not saying my opinion i'm just saying like i don't think whoever that you has can, an opinion about it i don't think that you can compare the two though mainly because there's 20 years worth of difference between the two of them that's what i'm saying that's why also I'm bug's life has no people opinion. in it i know but my opinion of the fact that the animation in general of you know movies has gotten better is because i mean i loved the bug's life i used to watch it all the time but that grasshopper looked like a really awkward robot and it was creepy and it's like legs didn't connect very well to its body and it was voiced by kevin spacey was he was it? the villain that's yeah yeah no <laughs> so they like, made him look creepy the, and scary all the i'm saying the grasshopper specifically because it was so big and detailed compared to the ants but like they all kind of had this weird like disconnected vibe to their whole bodies and um now animation even in just like the pixar short with the dumpling i mean like that animation is just so good and if you look at if you look at like uh like the humans and monsters inc and compare them to um like finding nemo just a few years later or ratatouille or something it's like the the changes they made is they figured out how to like replicate light when it hits human skin and like how it can how it can sometimes go through how light can go through skin and it makes it more red you know and just through your fingers even and how you have that glow around your fingers like they had to develop that with software that was almost all pixar and then companies like dreamwork made their own things using software like renderman or renderman itself so and you get stuff like the incredibles too where it they animate like every single individual hair on a head and it's just like incredible That's how so far it's come. Cool. That process was actually started with Sully and Monsters Inc. Huh. He was the first one where they had to animate all these different hairs. And then you get Encanto where they animate individual loose threads on clothing and it's amazing. And you kind of want Mitchell's versus the Machines to win Best Animated Feature for 2022. But you know, you know that Encanto animated loose threads on their clothing. So how could it not? Also, Encanto is just such a catchy, it has such a catchy soundtrack. That's true. God, I love it so much. Well, uh, do y'all have anything else to say about the mega S of mines? I have something, I have one last thing to say. Doug, I like your sideways hat. Thank you. Thank you. That's Dougie Fresh making an appearance. Dougie this is Dougie Fresh? Fresh in the flesh. Oh, oh, oh. Dougie Fresh is also a listener. He's yeah. He's bringing from Doug. Dougie Fresh, I know you're yeah. listening. We don't know how to act. He's listening right now. He's here, Elijah. He's making an appearance. But when he's not here, he's listening and Doug is here. So I, it's like a two-person entity type, you know, swap out. Think of it like Jekyll and Hyde. Doug is Doug is the form that most people see during the day. But Iggy Fresh uh, comes out to play every now and then. Or you could think of it like Mega Mind's wristwatch, where he twi- twists yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And becomes uh, like, listeners, gonna, uh, you know, on, on, on this weird note, we're going to score this sucker. Woo! Oh, cool. So, Doug, why don't you get us started? All right. Um, so, I 
I enjoy this movie, but also I, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to leave here tonight and I'm not going to think about Megamind ever again. So I think I'm going to give it a 63. Dang. No way, Doug. You're <laughs> kidding me. Yeah. No, um, telepathic powers. I was, I was also going to give it a 63. Sorry if I cut you short a little bit, but like I usually, whenever I come on here, whatever I feel like is the correct, I don't really think about it too hard. <laughs> Most of the time um, I'm just like, yeah, this feels right. This is the number. 63 came to my brain without a hesitation i was like that's it i'm not arguing it it's not the greatest movie i'm not gonna watch it every day but it's not that bad it's a good little kid movie with kind of crappy animation so douglas we are one thank you thank you for that i don't know if doug agrees about the animation though well, you can still get on a test. You can answer different questions incorrectly and still get the same score. That's true. So that's actually the greatest analogy for how our scores can be different. <laughs> well, that's because I'm a teacher. Ever. Ow. Can I get an ow? 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 No, it goes ow. Ow. Well, Never mind. <laughs> oh my lord. Well, uh, I'll go next. Um. Folks, I'm going to give this one a little bit higher. Ew. It's going to be an 83 from Old Web. Oh, oh, whoa. A little bit higher. Listen. Um, yeah, well, I'm frankly shocked that you gave this movie a 63. Like, That's it's, a whole it's 20 good. points higher. That's like, two letter grades. You know how close Jeez. that is to a 50? Half of the score? Half of a full score? Like, so dramatic. This is a pretty good movie. Um, dramatic. No, I won't remember it, nor will I care to watch it again. <laughs> but like, did I enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed sitting there and watching it, but like, it's not something I'm going to pick up again, you know? So yeah, I mean, that uh, sounds about right. Yeah, this movie is um, okay. Probably good. Definitely not great. And I was going to give it a 72. Mad respect. So yeah, that's more of in the ballpark of where I'm at. Um, I thought this movie was going to be much better than it ended up being, but I thought it was still pretty solid. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 75. You're cute. Uh, and after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, uh, we get a final score of 71.2. So according to Price's Right rules, Doug and I are tied for first place. Damn right. Elijah, you missed out by 0.8. How do you feel right now at this devastating loss? Literally nobody plays anything by Price's Right rules. I play everything by Price's Right rules. Where have you been? Hmm. You know, if that's what we were doing to compete for this prestigious trophy, I would give everything a one. Also, um, to all of the listeners, including and perhaps especially Dougie Fresh and Matthew McConaughey, I hope you enjoyed our episode that was not really about Megamind. (laughs) Yes, we talked about about everything else more than we talked about megamind for sure you know i think i think that that's fine i think that really fits in line with the last will ferrell movie that we did in which we didn't really talk about that movie either last will ferrell movie that we did the other guys i went on for that episode that makes sense you were not um but listeners i i think i speak for all the guys when i say that you know this week we talked about loosely megamind mm-hmm. and last week we talked about don't look up 
And, you know, we we usually fill a certain formula here at Setting the Skein. But for the next month, none of us knows what's about to happen. Well, sort of. Uh, we actually messed up the dates a little. This is actually released in the first week of March. But... What the actual heck? Well, what happened? You remember how we skipped a week? We didn't yeah. account for that in the schedule until uh, Mike texted me earlier this week. Dang. Yeah. Dang, dang, fine. dang. But yeah, uh, for the next five weeks, uh, we don't know what movies we're doing. Well, each of us knows exactly one movie that we're doing, plus Mike. Uh, so what we have done, we decided that we wanted to make things a little extra interesting. So we have each selected one movie that uh, we're going to review on the podcast and not told the others what we're watching, um, except for Mike, because he is uh, organizing all of this. Uh, and he has uh, determined the order. He's the only one that knows what movies we're going to be watching every week. Uh, and you are going to get our actual reactions to the movie as soon as we find out what it is. Uh, yes, Tristan. You know what I what I can almost guarantee? The movies that that Doug Gooden and Benjamin Tankersley picked are probably going to be wacky as hell. So just letting you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's probably going to be like emotional and searching. I don't know. We'll find out. All right. Okay. <laughs> and Elijah, even, you're kind of like a wild card. I don't know. Even what though. Even though Elijah is going to pick a movie this, from the 2000s. Elijah is going to pick on this podcast. Lord of the Rings movie from the 1980s. <laughs> yes, he will. Yes, Elijah he will. has been on this podcast since 2019, or a version of this podcast since 2019. And I still have no idea what movie. I have not the slightest clue of what kind of movie he could have picked. <laughs> Listen, I actually, I don't want to give too much away, but I actually texted Mike today to change my movie dang and you would never predict what we're gonna watch for my week oh, is it cheetah girls yeah it's cheetah girls you guys <laughs> the uh the the only rule that we have given each other listeners is that the movie has to be two hours or less right it has to be two hours or less um and then mike also picked a movie didn't he that one nice. will either be like deep searching and emotional or really scary. Or it's going to be some weird art house film that no one's ever actually heard yeah. of. Yeah. Mike wants to do It's Such a Beautiful Day part two. Oh no. Watch it be Die Hard. There's a part two. I I pray that someone picked Die Hard because <laughs> I love Die Hard. I've never seen it. Oh my gosh. It's so good. It's so good um yeah uh, yes. so the next several weeks are going to be rather interesting um here on setting the scheme and you can keep up with all of the cool stuff that we're doing uh on our social media at vider media we've got new episodes of setting the scheme every wednesday and thank you all for listening again uh yeah until next week i'm ben i'm doug tristan i'm elijah and i'm macy and this has been setting the scheme you guys have a great week